As I write, an icy blast is sweeping the country and it feels the right time to curl up with a book. The below is what I've got through this month. The Uninvited Guests, Sadie Jones I got this out of the library, having recognized her name from somewhere, she is loved by publicists, I think. This was well written but terribly plotted. What an odd book. A ghost story and commentary on the ghastliness of the upper classes, the only bit I liked when when the strange younger child took her horse upstairs to her bedroom so she could draw it. Everything else was peculiar. Everything happens for a reason, Katie Allen. This indie published book was more successful, up to a point. In this deeply personal novel, Allen wanted to explore the comforting old cliché, an idea of some mysterious higher purpose. When Rachel's baby is stillborn, she struggles with grief and when someone comes out with that line she realizes, in the fuck of post-birth grieving confusion, that her baby has died because she saved the life of a man at a tube station the week before. So she sets out to find him and make sure it was worth it. It has a saggy middle, this book, which is a shame, as I struggled through it but the premise is interesting. Though why her husband and mother didn't realize she needed immediate help is beyond me. My Wild and Sleepless Nights, Clover Stroud Oh Lord! This is a book that made me celebrate my life choices. Clover Stroud writes of the highs and lows of motherhood, of the vast chasms of love you feel but the deep frustration at never having any time to yourself, of wondering where yourself has gone and trying to live with all the mess. Stroud has, it should be said, five children, starting the book being heavily pregnant with a fifth and writing about the eldest who has been excluded from school and arrested for drug and knife offenses. He resents losing attention to the younger children, she writes, and I have no idea what to do, just before she births the fifth and briefly flirts as that one grows up with the idea of a sixth. Luckily, her eldest sorts himself out but thank God I only have one child and can control the mess. The Phone Box at the Edge of the World, Laura Amai Messina This was a rather sweet book, based on a real place. Following the devastating tsunami in Japan, a grieving mother goes to find the phone box used by others who have suffered loss. They use it to talk to the dead, to send them messages. There she meets a father and daughter, and the people who own the garden, all of them trying to move on and manage. The style keeps the reader at a distance but is distinctive and I liked it very much. Strange Flowers, Donald Ryan I really cannot read any more Irish books about people from small communities who are different to the norm and as such have to leave or give up children or are frowned on or come to any other predictable sticky ends. This was one such book. I've had it with this genre. Plus he writes incredibly long sentences where he adds in loads of ands and sticks all kinds of things together in one sentence, and I really don't know what it adds to the book as a style except to irritate the reader and it did really spoil the book for and I tell you what else, it's really difficult to write like this. An Archive of Happiness, Elizabeth Reader Ah, book I enjoyed. I really liked the structure. Ostensibly set over one day when the different parts of a family come together for a summer, it also manages to feed in enough backstory to make this an absorbing family drama. The only slightly weird bit was that reader is an American living in Scotland and although this was set in Scotland it read to me like it was in America and I had to keep reminding myself that they should have Scottish accents. It felt very American though. But don't let that spoil it for you. The Life of Stuff, Susanna Walker Walker's mother was an alcoholic and a hoarder, so when she dies it's down to Walker to clear the house to sell. The house is so neglected that the back door doesn't close, water is leaking throughout and there is so much stuff it takes her and a house clearance team quite some time to make it sellable. 
In the meantime she uses the experience to write about the family history, find out more about hoarding impulses and generally explore her own feelings towards her mother. It immediately made me need to clear out stuff from our own house and move on to another book. Life on Other Planets, Matt Cook So I chose this one randomly only to find that it's a novel about a family gathering together to clear out a house after someone dies and they go through her stuff. Weird coincidence. This is a satirical look at family breakdown in the face of a will, and although the family start out seeming normal they end as a series of grotesques. I was reminded a little of a mixture of what a carve-up, the star catters from Cold Comfort Farm and Kinds Hearts and Coronets. Everything is beautiful, Eleanor Ray. The coincidences go on. My next read was this, again chosen at random, and it's a novel about a woman who hoards. A lot. Her hoarding is the result of a traumatic experience and we find out more about this as the book goes on. I like this but three books on the same subject was a bit much. Mayflies, Andrew O'Hagan. Thank goodness for this then, which is very different. This is a novel in two parts, featuring Tully and his friend James, who grow up Scotland and form a firm friendship away from their strange and sometimes destructive families. While James is bookish and encouraged by a teacher to study, Tully is a bit less focused but they both love music and travel to Manchester, this is 1986, to have a glorious weekend watching the bands they love and dancing at the Hacienda. Twenty years later, James gets a call from Tully, he is dying and he needs help from his friend. This is a really good book about male friendship, about how men talk, bonding over things that don't matter and using them to talk about the stuff that does matter. I don't read a lot about men or by men in this way so it made a real change for me and it was a rewarding read. The first time that Lauren Paling died, Alison Rudd. This was a perfectly well-written, sometimes very engaging but ultimately a bit odd story about parallel universes. I quite liked it but I wanted it to go somewhere and it didn't. Maybe that was the point. Moments of Pleasure I went to watch at Christmas Carol at Nottingham Playhouse this month, starring Mark Gatiss and Nicholas Farrell, and a fab young diverse cast. It was due to play Nottingham last year and was postponed because of the plague, so it was good to finally get to see these two great character actors. I realized I'd read a lot this month and not watched much, so I'm now about to embark on a December of musicals recorded from the BBC over the last few weeks. I also finished writing in my journal and spent a very enjoyable hour with my daughter customizing my next journal with vast amounts of washi tape and stickers. Completely unnecessary and all the more fun for that. Sign up for my newsletter. Finally, a reminder that if you would like to have a monthly dose of reading and writing well-being goodness delivered direct to your inbox, you can sign up to my newsletter. I'll be bringing you updates from a working parenting writer, tips on juggling demands successfully, carving out time to write and all sorts of good stuff. This is what people are saying about it. Yes, I know, there are lots of newsletters. But this is an especially good one, full of lots of kindness, insightful observations and good advice. You should definitely sign up.